Sometimes politics brings about some pretty strange alliances. Uh, in the reading we had this morning, we had the, the Pharisees, or well, the disciples of the Pharisees, and the Herodians coming together. Now, these guys, that would be a bit like the Greens and Clive Palmer coming together on mining policy. Right? The, the values are completely the opposite of each other. But these guys, they formed an alliance against Jesus. They hated Jesus so much that this was the one issue that, that would enable them to bury the hatchets against one another and be able to come together to try and catch Jesus out. And the issue they tried to catch him out on was taxation. Now that's a topic that's near and dear to all our hearts, isn't it? Taxation. Uh, a man anonymously sent $500 cash to the Australian tax o- taxation office along with a note saying, my conscience has been troubling me and I haven't been able to sleep, so here's $500 I owe you. P.S. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you some more. <laughs> but these guys, they were trying to catch Jesus out on taxation and they started out by buttering him up. They said, oh, teacher, we know that you are true. You, you always teach the way of God truthfully. You don't care about what anybody else thinks or about what anybody else says. You're not, your answers aren't going to be trying to keep people happy. You're just going to tell it the way it is. So you tell us what you think. And this is where they threw the curveball. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, for us, that might not seem like such a tricky question, but for them it was quite a tricky question. Um, because it put Jesus in a very difficult situation. And whichever way Jesus answered, he, he was left with a lose-lose situation. You see, the Herodians, they were for King Herod. That's how they get their name. They were Herodians because they're for King Herod. They're for the Herod dynasty. Um, and they wanted to see this line of kings to continue on in Israel. Now, these guys were pretty closely aligned with Rome and thus with Caesar, because King Herod was a puppet king of Caesar. That's how Herod got his power. The Romans had come in and overtaken the place. They'd taken away the real king and put Herod there in his place and said, right, this is the new king. And so, like Rome, were like the puppet master, pulling the strings, and Herod was doing what they said. And, of course, the taxes that Rome raised helped to keep King Herod in the life to which he'd become accustomed. And so if Jesus had said, no, don't pay your taxes, that's not in God's law, then they would have dobbed him in and he would have been in big trouble and and, um, he probably probably would have been arrested for for insurrection and maybe even even executed for treasonous activities. But the Pharisees were the opposite of that. The Pharisees were dead against paying taxes to Caesar and if Jesus had said, yes, it is right to pay tax to Caesar... Well, they would have spread that news far and wide and, of course, that would have made Jesus very unpopular because everybody hated paying tax to the Romans and there's a good reason for that. It's because the Romans were the enemy. They had come in, they'd overtaken their nation, they'd taken away their their self-government and they said, right, we're going to govern you now and for the privilege of that you have to pay us taxes. And so the people had to pay tax to their enemies and they hated that. And so if Jesus was to say, yes, it is right to pay tax to to Caesar, to Rome, well, that would have made him very unpopular with the people. So he had this lose-lose situation and I think these guys would have thought, gotcha, that's the one that we're going to get you on. 
But Jesus saw right through it. And the truth and the wisdom of God that Jesus spoke that day is still 100% relevant for us today. He said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Now, just like we have our head of state on the coin, kids, do you know whose head is on a 20 cent piece? The Queen. The Queen, Queen Elizabeth II. Right? So just like our head of state is on our coins, the Romans also had the head of their state on their coins. But it's a bit different for us because... Every time I take out my 20 cent piece and see the image of the Queen, Queen Elizabeth doesn't expect him to go, Ah, Queen Elizabeth, a God. I worship you, Queen Elizabeth II. See, she doesn't expect us of that, that of us. But that's the way it was with Rome. You see, their coins were used as a way to promote the worship of emperor. And Caesar claimed to be a god and you can see on these coins here on one side it names him Augustus Caesar Caesar Augustus and the other side of the coin named him as divine a god and it was used as an aid and a reminder that they owed worship to their emperor And it was deeply offensive to the Jews to bring this pagan worship coin into the holy city of Jerusalem and yet there it was, right there in the possession of these religious leaders, either the Herodians or the the, um, Pharisees. And that's why Jesus called them hypocrites because they're there trying to stand up for God and saying, no, you shouldn't have these coins here because that's worship of Caesar and yet one of them at least had that coin on their person. Whose likeness and inscription is this, Jesus asked? It's Caesar's. Therefore give, or give back, to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. And give, or give back, to God the things that belong to God. And this is where we find one of the principles of discipleship. To give back what you owe. If you have financial debts outstanding, don't hold it back. Don't refuse to pay up. If you owe the government money, don't hold it back. Don't try and avoid it. Pay up. But what do we owe God? Caesar's image was on the coin. And so he said, give what money you owe to Caesar. Where's God's image? Where is God's image? Us. God has impressed his indelible image on you, an image that will not fade, an image that is always there. You can't rub it out because God has created you in his image. He's created me in his image. God created humanity, male and female, in his own image. You and I are created in the image of God. So, what do we owe God? We owe him ourselves. We owe God everything that we have, everything that we are. Simply by God creating us, he put his image on us. He didn't create us for us. He created us for himself. 
And until we find our destiny and our purpose in God, we're never going to find our true destiny or our true purpose because God created us for him. Not only that, he brought us back again. We, we rebelled against God through sin and trespass. And through the blood of Christ, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, buying us back again. We owe God everything. Give to God what is owed to God. Give him your life. Give him your heart. Give to God your talents. Give to God your time. Give to God honour, respect, worship. Give to God your family. Give to God your dreams your hopes, your ambitions, your achievements and your failures. Surrender your whole will to God. Your money, your possessions, your intellect, your life. Give to God all that you are. And part of this giving to God all that we are is submitting to God by being good citizens on earth. You cannot at the same time submit to God and rebel against God-given authority. I'll say it again. You cannot at the same time submit to God and defy God-given authority. When Jesus said, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, he wasn't telling us to compartmentalise these two areas of our lives. He wasn't saying, right, well, you give God the spiritual part of your life and you give to Caesar your money part of your life. He wasn't telling us to compartmentalise it in that way. I think what he was saying is give to God every area of your life and part of this surrender to God includes being a good citizen, which means we live by the laws of the land, provided they are moral and not against God's law, and it means we pay tax. God has appointed those who govern. Now that's, that's pretty tough sometimes. Sometimes we have leaders and, and we think, oh, why would we have leaders like that in our country? But God has appointed those who govern. And we, we might like the government that we have, but in his wisdom, the government that we have is the government that God put there. And if our government provides us with roads, education, defence, hospitals, Well, it's right for us to pay taxes. Now, I know most of us think that we pay too much tax. Does anyone here think they don't pay enough tax? Not too many hands. In fact, I actually heard they're going to simplify the taxation system this year and there's only going to be four lines on the tax return. What was your income last year? What were your deductible expenses? How much do you have left? Send it in. So... That's the way most of us think of the taxation system. They're to get every cent out of us that they can. But I'm going to say something to you pretty radical today and I don't know if you've ever heard it said in church or not. I know you've heard part of it. God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible says that, hey. God loves a cheerful giver. Now here's the radical part. I believe this extends to when we pay our tax. There you go. Some people will do anything to avoid paying tax and and in a year where they've had a really good profit, 
Some people will spend an exorbitant amount of money on deductible items that, the items that they don't really need because they'd rather spend more money and have to pay less tax than to have to pay some tax. And sometimes it works out that way that the, the richest pay the least tax and the poor pay more than some of the rich. And I know sometimes I've, you hear on the news about some big high-flying multi-billionaire and, and they say and they paid $3,000 tax last year and you go, what? Where's the justice in that? Now, I get that we don't want to pay so much tax. We all want the government to provide us with services but none of us want to pay for it. And I get that because I'm the same. And the government gives us allowable deductions and allowable tax concessions and that's fair enough because that's their policy and, and that's working by their rules. But as soon as I begin to avoid tax or as soon as I begin to cheat on my tax, that's wrong. And I'd even take that a bit further and say to you, if I begin making major life decisions based around how I can primarily, primarily based around ways of minimising the tax I pay, well, I think I've lost the plot. I've lost my priorities. Because we should be seeking God's will and our decisions should be based on God's will. And if that means we end up paying tax, well, that's one of the costs. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul said this, it's coming from Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. But to bad, Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant to do you good. You hear what Paul's saying here? He's saying, if you do the right thing, if you live by the laws of the land, if you don't go breaking the laws, you're not going to get into strife. And he's saying that our governments make the laws of the land as God's servants. It's their job to keep law and order in the country in which we are. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of the conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes to the authorities. Sorry, pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honour to whom honour is owed. Have you ever considered that when you cheat on your tax, you're cheating God? Have you ever considered that? I know in my past I've cheated on my tax. I've taken pigs to the box and 
everybody delivers them in a false name and I did that. And so I'm making a confession. That was wrong. Our allegiance is always to God. And provided our government doesn't require us to behave in a way which is immoral or contrary to God's commandments, part of our honouring God is to honour the authorities that he has put in place, to live by the laws of the land, even if we don't like them. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, give back to God what is God's. Give your whole self to God. And part of that, part of this giving of ourselves to God is being a good citizen. And yes, even paying taxes. Now, I expect I'll get a few questions today. 